Jewish voters have now had a chance to assess the speeches made by presidential candidates before the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. The president of APAC, Saul Self-Destructionstein, said Jews would use the speeches to identify dishonest candidates likely to betray the state of Israel. They would then vote for those candidates. Self-destruction sign said this was in keeping with the ancient Talmudic tradition of masochism, or as it's called in the original Hebrew, masochism. The tradition is based on ancient rabbinical interpretations of a verse in the book of Proverbs, a Jew should always elect the smiling Gentile who will stab him in the back. As one ancient rabbi wrote of the verse, I may not have translated that exactly right, I never did pay much attention in Hebrew school. All of the major candidates appeared before AIPAC to describe their Israel policies, Bernie Sanders received wild applause when he promised he would spend his presidency making sympathetic speeches about poor, sad-eyed Palestinian children, while large, happy-eyed Palestinian adults blew the Jewish state off the face of the earth. Donald Trump won support when he told the audience that if he was elected president, he would, quote, find the best people to make a great deal that would favor whoever I'm talking to at this particular moment, unquote. When told he was speaking to the Jews, Trump added, quote, yeah, them, whatever. But AIPAC voters gave their most favorable response to Hillary Clinton, who promised that she would not abandon the Jewish state until she had lied about it repeatedly first. As one AIPAC member said, that's the sort of utter deceit and betrayal that I look for in a candidate. It's why I'm a lifelong Democrat. On the Republican side, Senator Ted Cruz said he would commit himself body and soul to the preservation of Israel. When the audience realized he actually meant it, he was immediately booed off the stage. The AIPAC meeting ended with news of the terrorist attacks on Brussels, leading Bernie Sanders to call for a two-state solution in which Belgium ceded territory to ISIS in return for peace. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I knew we'd get through that eventually. Making fun of the Jews. That's why we're, we're here to make fun of the Jews. The, the Donald Trump supporters are going, he's finally one of us. <laughs> he's attacking Jews. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the Constitution. That always It always puts me in the best mood for the show when we talk about the Constitution. Hillsdale is offering a free online class in the Constitution so you can now grab your representative by the throat and throttle the Constitution into his brain until he's ready. We, we want this guy to be able to take a test. Instead of random drug tests, we're giving our politicians from now on simple Constitution tests that will make sure that he knows what it is he does for a living. It's going to be a complete change in our government. If you want to fully understand the Constitution and your constitutional rights, you can check out this free online course, Constitution 101 at Hillsdale College, and you sign Sign up for it at Hillsdale College's, it's Hillsdale College's Constitution 101. You sign up for it for free at hillsdale.edu slash Andrew. That's how they'll know that I sent you. It's hillsdale.edu slash Andrew. Know your rights. They're written on that crinkly brown piece of paper, and they will explain it all to you. All right. We are going to talk about terrorism today. We have to talk about this terrorist attack and all the reactions. I mean, I think I have something to say that's a little different than you've heard elsewhere, or I wouldn't say anything. But before that, just a quick look at the primaries. <clears throat> no big surprises, right? Uh, Trump took Arizona by quite a large lead. That's where they're having all the border problems. So he's going to build a gigantic wall that goes up to the sky. It's going to look like that thing in uh, in Game of Thrones, right, where they stand, the soldiers stand on that enormous icy wall, and they're going to, you know, shoot Mexicans with bows and arrows. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be great. He's going to get the best people to build that wall. So they love him in Arizona. Ted Cruz continues to be in there. He took Utah by such a large margin that he gets all of the delegates. If you get over 50%, you get all of the dele delegates. 
they're conservative, they're religious, and uh, uh, Trump insulted Mitt Romney. So that was <laughs> a three for. I mean, you know, you don't, you do not insult. That. You see, in Utah, they actually like Mitt Romney. The rest of us think he's a little strange, but that's because he's one of them. They love him, so you don't do that. So Cruz is still in there. You know, it, it, it looks to me, it looks to me like. Am I allowed to? I have to roll up my sleeves. Lindsay, Lindsay told me I wasn't allowed to roll up my sleeves because it makes noise on the microphone. So here, here's my sleeves rolling up. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm hot. So <laughs> the thing is, I'm sorry, Lindsay. I usually do whatever she tells me, but today I have to roll up my sleeves. Um, you know, um, what was I going to say? Oh, Ted Cruz. Uh, you know, it looks, it still looks to me like Trump could wrap this up, but I am out of the prediction business in this election. Everything is so crazy. Same thing on the Democrat side. It, it, uh, Hillary won Arizona, but Sanders continues to annoy her. He took Utah and he took Idaho. So where everybody's white, you know, that's basically, it's white folks who don't, it, you know, it's stupid white folks who don't know that social, socialism is a bad idea, who vote for Bernie Sanders, or whenever, whenever they can get enough smart black people to vote for Hillary, they get, get the, the better choice. But there again, you know, we don't know. The FBI may cart her away as she deserves. Uh, we don't know what will happen. And if that happens, all hell breaks loose, because I don't think the Democrats are going to allow Bernie Sanders to become the nominee in any case. The other thing, by the way, is, I, you know, Trump keeps complaining that if there's a, an open convention, you know, he's going to have riots and his people are going to. But if he's so good at making deals, you'd think he would love an open convention, right? That's, that's where they make deals. You know, if, if he goes into an open convention and loses, there shouldn't be any riots. It should be like, oh, wait, he can't make a deal. The guy, that's all he talks about is making deals. If he can't get enough delegates. Eh, you know, all right. So let's let's get serious. We had these horrible, horrible killings in Brussels. We're going to see more of them. We've seen them before in Paris. Not that long ago, there was a there was a terrorist attack. I think there's been a terrorist attack every day, somewhere for the last week or two. So I mean, there's and there really is a terrorist attack every day somewhere. Somewhere Islamists are killing people. So this happened in Brussels. For all we know, we don't know yet. This is right after. Um, that that guy in, who uh, masterminded the Paris attacks was arrested, so it may have been that they were that they were rushed into making this attack for fear that the Belgian security forces were going to find their bombs and stuff like this. So it actually may have been not as bad as we thought it was going to be, uh, as it might have been. The Belgians are notoriously inept about their security. The Belgians, you know, they they never had a crime before they let the Muslims in, so that they they have no security forces. So they're guys. They've got guys traveling back and forth to Syria. They go. They train. You know, they come back and they stop them at the airport. What was your business? Oh, I was training to make a terrorist attack. Fine. You know, go right ahead. And they let them back in. They have terrible terror. So, a couple of uh, months ago, the Belgian ter- tourist board wanted to assure everybody that it was going to be safe to come there. They didn't want people to stay away. So they had this mocking commercial where people from all over the world or all over Europe called a, a public phone in Belgium, in in Belgium, in one of the cities of Belgium, and asked the, whoever answered the phone whether it was safe. So here's, I'll, I'll read the uh, captions, but here's the commercial, a little bit of it. Hello, do you speak English? Yeah. Did you see some people who are fighting with gun or, or bombs? No. <laughs> oh my God, no way. <laughs> After Brussels was linked to terror plots, the international media portrayed the city as a war zone. We wanted to change this perception with an honest answer. 
How is life in Brussels today? Ask someone in Brussels. Now they have all these phones that you can call from anywhere you want. And people are gathering around, happy Brussels people are gathering to answer. Oh my God! Hi! Where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Portugal. You're coming from Brazil! England, wow. We have hi from Germany. Bye. Bye. I can see you. Can you see me? Oh, that one. <laughs> Where did you buy the shoes? Is it safe for, for this moment? Of course it's safe. It's very safe. Not so much, unfortunately. Uh, so that was what they were selling. You know, it's always safe until it's not, right? That's the thing. So let's take a look at our fearless leaders and their reaction to this. All the people running for president, this is something they have to do. Of course, Obama is courting the terrorist dictator Raul Castro in Cuba, but he did pause to react to the attacks. Here's his reaction. Yep, that's right. Obama goes out to a baseball game with the dictator Raul Castro. Here's a picture. I think they're they're either doing the wave or they're putting or Castro is saying, here's what we do to them when they disagree with us. You know, we stick the guns in the back, we make them raise their hands like this. Either that or it's the wave. You know, I can just I can just see the conversation between these two guys. Oh, thank you, Mr. Castro, for taking me to a baseball game. I've never been to a baseball game. Yes, we invented it here in Cuba, you know. Did you? I, I don't even know what the rules are. Could you explain to me? You know, it's like, this is the yeah. guy. But he did make he did make a 50-second, 51 second comment. Here it is, his comment about the terrorist attacks before going off to the ballgame. The thoughts and the prayers of the American people are with the people of Belgium, and we stand in solidarity with them in condemning these outrageous attacks against innocent people. We will do whatever is necessary to support our friend and ally Belgium in bringing to justice those who are responsible. And this is yet another reminder that the world must unite. We must be together, regardless of nationality or race or faith, in fighting against the scourge of terrorism. We can and we will defeat those who threaten the safety and security of people all around the world. So his thoughts and prayers are with the people in Belgium. Remember how long, how long ago was it when your thoughts and prayers stank? You know, anybody who had thoughts and prayers for the... Remember, do we have that picture of the Daily News headline? Yeah, there it is. God isn't fixing this as latest batch of innocent Americans are left lying in pools of blood. Cowards who could truly end the gun scourge continue to hide behind meaningless platitudes, thoughts and prayers. This came from this Anthony Jeselnik, the comedian, who said, oh, their thoughts and prayers they don't mean nothing. They mean less than nothing. But now suddenly, it, as long as you're not going to do anything about terrorism, it's okay for Obama to send his thoughts and prayers. I didn't hear, I didn't see a headline in the Daily News today saying, God isn't fixing this because suddenly the prayers are coming from Obama. And of course, he speaks directly to God so that, you know, it's not going to be a problem. You know, this is part, this is actually Obama's philosophy. Okay. This is, I'm not, I'm not taking unfair swipes at him. He feels that terrorism is, he's on the right side of history. Remember, we're all here in, in today where we're getting shot at and killed, you know, but he's over there on the right side of history where things look great, you know, and he is ending the cold, he's ending the cold war. 
We thought Reagan ended the Cold War when he brought down the Soviet Union by building up American military might. But no, Obama ended the Cold War, as he said in his speech, essentially, when he went to a baseball game, did the wave with a dictator, a guy who's still standing on the necks of his people, okay? But this is part of his philosophy. Here's here's a, uh, a little piece of a, of a Wall Street Journal op-ed today, an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. Obama frequently reminds his staff that terrorism takes far fewer lives in America than handguns car accidents and falls in bathtubs do. Okay, this is from, this is from, is quoted in the Wall Street Journal. It's from an Atlantic Monthly piece about uh, Obama. Islamic State, Mr. Obama, is quoted as telling advisor Valerie Jarrett, is not coming here to chop our heads off. But, as Saurabh Amari notes nearby, there wasn't a day in the last week when Islamists didn't undertake a violent attack. In 2014, the total number of deaths from terrorism increased by 80% when compared to the prior year. In absolute terms, that comes to 32,685 deaths from terrorism, up from 3,329 at the turn of the century, and the economic cost is somewhere north of $52 billion. It's true that most terrorist attacks attacks take place outside the West. And this is a big deal because for all their multiculturalism and their understanding of other cultures, the left is the most, leftism is the most provincial philosophy around. It's all about what is happening in America right now. You hear them talk about racism in America. America, if you go anywhere, I remember I lived overseas for seven years. America is the least racist country that exists. It's the only country where people live together the way we do, of all colors, of all races. Go, you know, look at a, a city in China. You don't see a lot of white faces. You don't see a lot of black faces. Everybody looks the same, okay? So, and they say, well, we don't have your problem with racism. Yeah, because you're living with people who are all the same race. Same, same in all these countries. This, this influx of Muslims is the first time, the first time they are dealing with multiculturalism and they're failing miserably. We deal with everybody. Go to an airport and San Francisco. You know, after the 9-11 attacks, I was in an airport in San Francisco. It was enough to make you weep to just see how beautiful this country is in terms of people getting along, lovers getting along, people just walking hand in hand. I mean, this is like, you know, this is a great country, but because the left is so provincial, they only know what's going on here. And they, they want to save, you know, uh, the, the uh, environment. And every time they do something to save the environment, 50,000 Africans die because they need you know, they need the industry that's going to build it up. They say, oh, we just saved, hooray, we saved eagle's eggs, you know, by banning DDT. 800,000 people a year die of malaria because they don't have the DDT to kill the mosquitoes, you know, and they say, well, we'll take up a, you know, we'll take up a collection and buy them some nets. You know, th thanks a lot, white man. You know, that's really great. You know, this is, this is the most provincial country. So to, for Obama, this stuff, this terrorism stuff is just getting in the way. You know, let me, let me pause for a minute to do our other, to serve our other sponsor because we love our sponsors and we love ReaganPrivacy.com because ReaganPrivacy.com will protect your emails. It'll protect them from companies spying on them. It'll protect them from the government coming in and digging out all your, all your information, which they love to get. The companies love to take your information and pepper your computer with ads, but you can take back your privacy by getting an email address at reaganprivacy.com. What you get is your name at reagan.com. Not your name, but your name, obviously, at reagan.com. And that becomes your private email address. Not only do you have 
President Reagan's name on every one of your emails, which, believe me, is going to improve your emails, which really have been falling short of late. This will make them much better. And you know your emails will never be scanned or shared with third parties. Go to ReaganPrivacy.com and secure your personal private email address free from scanning. You get two free bonus months if you go right now. It's ReaganPrivacy.com. So let's go back to this idea of Obama. You know, <clears throat> I, I always joke that, I, I joke with people that I, I, I'm always right. It's a technique I developed to annoy my wife. But the fact is, nobody is always right, obviously. And the trick is, when you're wrong, to assess. You go back and you assess. Why was I wrong? How did I get it wrong? How can I get it right next time? That's the way, you know, the way you can tell when people don't know what they're doing is when they keep making the same mistake over and over again. So when... George W. Bush was elected. The left made fun of him because he was inarticulate. He couldn't string an English sentence together when he was speaking off the cuff. And I thought, so what? As long as he does the right thing, you know, because I, I you know, I, the left is so annoying. They attack every, they attack every Republican president. He's either stupid or evil. You know, Eisenhower was stupid until he was dead. Then, oh my gosh, you know, actually he he did win World War II and he was an actual excellent president. <clears throat> so maybe he wasn't so stupid. But while he was alive, he used to fumble his words and so he was stupid. So I just thought, well, it's the same thing with George W. Bush. And George W. Bush was not a stupid man and he was a good man. <clears throat> but I was wrong, you know. You have to be able to speak, to communicate, to be a modern president. You have to be able to say things that make people understand what you're doing. And one of the reasons George W. Bush failed or for so long in Iraq was he failed to make his case to the American people. He failed to answer attacks. Karl Rove admitted this later on. He was too high-minded. He didn't get down in the dirt and mess it up. He didn't have to be, he didn't have to stoop to the level of his attackers, but he had to communicate. President Obama has failed us as a leader. Some of the things that he's done have been in, in fighting terrorism, you know, Terrorism, the fight against terrorism goes on pretty much without the president at some levels, right? The FBI is going to fight against terrorism no matter what. The, the security forces, they're going to fight against terrorism. Unless he stops them, unless he actually orders them not to do it, they are going to fight against terrorism. But he has failed us as a leader by not realizing what this threat is. What he's essentially saying is you catch more colds than you get cancer. And that's true, but, but Islamism is a cancer. It's spreading, as we see, you know, we don't spend that kind of money to you know, $54 billion a year to stop people from falling down in bathtubs. We spend it to stop this evil because it can be stopped. You know, I was I was telling uh, Lindsay in, in makeup today that I went to the dentist yesterday and they printed out a crown for my tooth. They just printed out while I'm standing there. They just printed out a new crown that fit absolutely perfectly. And I'm standing there looking at this machine. It's a, it's a printer that just takes this block of... Uh, porcelain, I guess, and carves it out into this perfect image of my tooth, which they implant on it. And I thought, this is an amazing world if people would just stop blowing each other up. You know, we're there. We've got it. We'll be printing out hearts next. We'll be printing out babies. You know, we've got, we've got this. We have got this. But these medieval dirtbags keep killing people. They have to be stopped. And for him to sit there and, you know, do the wave with a dictator who's a terrorist himself, you know, well, I'll get back to that in a minute. Just, just a minute. But it's what makes Donald Trump work. Listen to Donald Trump for a minute. We're going to play uh, Trump, the second Trump cut. Listen to Donald Trump as he's asked, he's questioned on Fox and Friends, I think it is, what he thinks should be done. Let's say you're president of the United States today. Obviously, you would have cracked down on immigration uh, to prevent what you were talking about earlier. What else would you do today? Well, I would... 
you know, I guess I would just talk to the people and give them, frankly, a pep talk. You know, we need a pep talk. We need spirit in our country, okay? We are allowing thousands and thousands of people to come into our country, and we don't even know where they come from and who they are. See, the thing about Trump, I mean, when he is questioned on what he would do, the guy is an idiot. I mean, I'm not saying we don't need a pep talk in the sense that we need some honest talk, but that's that's his answer to this you know, to this terrorist scourge, he has no plan. But because Obama won't address the question, because Hillary Clinton tells us, you know, Islam is abs- has absolutely nothing to do with terrorism, because of that, he sounds like he's speaking the truth when he says, ban all the Muslims, build a wall. That was his other, play the other cut, because that's his other routine. I would close up our borders to people until we figure out what is going on. Look what look at Brussels, look at Paris, look at so many cities that were great cities. Paris is is almost almost as bad. Uh, if you look at you know Paris is no longer the beautiful city of lights. Paris has got a lot of problems in it. And all you have to do is speak to the people that live there. And you look at other places where the same thing has happened, and they're in fear. Their cities in fear, and we have to be smart in the United States and. When people come in, I mean, we're taking in uh, we're taking in people without real documentation. We don't know where they're coming from. We don't know what they're what you know. We don't know where they're from, who they are. You look at them and look at it from any standpoint. They could be ISIS. They could be ISIS related. And uh, you know, you, we just don't learn. We don't learn. I mean, Brussels is an amazing example. Brussels was an absolutely crime-free city, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And now you look at it, it's a disaster. You know, this is what he does. It's not even, he doesn't even have to do it well. He just has to do it. He just has to describe the problem. When you've got Obama and Hillary and the entire left telling you that this is not happening, that if you say it's happening, you're hateful, that if you suspect, if you look and say, look, Quranic ideas, wherever they hold sway, create countries that are enslaved and impoverished. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere Quranic ideas hold sway, they are in charge, they create, there may be something wrong with these ideas. If there's not something wrong with all of them, there may be something wrong with some of them. There may be something wrong when they become in the majority. Maybe it's just theocracy that's wrong. Something is wrong. So when Trump des- describes it, all he has to do is speak out loud. All he has to do is speak out loud. But but because he has no real answers, because he doesn't know what he's talking about, because he's ignorant and his ideas are ill-formed, the press doesn't bother to go after him because he has got this power he has got this power of being the anti-Obama, the anti-left, the anti-politically correct. They can't touch him. Now listen to what happens when Ted Cruz speaks, because Ted Cruz actually knows what he's talking about. This is a very learned guy. And, and I support Ted Cruz, but I'm not doing a commercial for him. I, I'll, I've said things against him. I will say things against him, but I support him. And I just want to show you what happens to a guy when he speaks real truth, not what sounds like the truth because Obama lies so much. Cruz came out and he said, we need to empower law enforcement to secure and patrol Muslim neighborhoods before they, the Muslims, become radicalized. Now, that that's infelicitous, okay? It, it sounds like he's going to have this huge police presence come down on Muslim neighborhoods. It sounds like ordinary, patriotic American Muslims are going to be patrolled. So he, he didn't put that very well, all right? But what he's talking about is, is pretty simple, and we'll get back to it in a sec. So... He's on CBS this morning with 
the foot soldiers of the empire. You know, the, the, these are the, these are the centurions of the empire of lies. Okay, They're, the job of CBS News, as they perceive it, is to make sure no one tells a truth that is going to undermine Democrat power. That is the job of the news department of CBS TV. You know, that this is what they do. Okay. So now they come on and they bring out the big guns. First, they bring out Bill Bratton, who is the police chief in New York, and he says, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Bratton is a great police chief, but de Blasio, the left-wing mayor of New York, sends him out, you know, and he says, you know, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Many of my patrolmen are Muslims, and many of the people keeping him safe right now are Muslims. Fair enough, fair enough. Obviously, Cruz is not attacking law-abiding and patriotic Muslims. Now listen to this, uh, to Cruz try to explain himself to Charlie Rose. It was radical Islamic terrorism, it was ISIS that has declared jihad, that is waging war on us. And President Obama and Hillary Clinton and sadly Mayor de Blasio, the, the elected Democrats, are so bound up by political correctness, they refuse to utter the words radical Islamic terrorism, but and the, they refuse to be serious and defeating but, but the point is, you're suggesting that they could focus, they should focus on Muslim neighborhoods more than any other neighborhood. I, look, New York City, under, under Mayor Bloomberg, had a program that focused on, worked proactively with the Muslim community to stop radicalization, to prevent attacks from radical Islamic terrorism before they occur. Now, what happened? Mayor de Blasio came in and decided political correctness mattered more than keeping people safe. He disbanded the program. Let me give an example. If, if you're concerned with gang violence, gang violence is a real problem in a lot of places across the country. What does law enforcement do with proactive policing? You go into the neighborhoods where gang violence is a problem and you work proactively to get the gang members off the street. And by the way, the people you're protecting are the residents of those communities who are typically the victims. So, so listen, listen to Charlie Rose's question. Are you saying we should, you know, police Muslims for terrorism more than other people? What, what, what's wrong with you? Why is Cruz subject to that and Trump isn't? And the answer is simple, because Cruz is a responsible adult human being who is proposing real policies that he would put into action if he became president, and Trump isn't. Trump is just making a noise that sounds so much better than Obama's noise because Obama has got us all so ticked off with his lies and his stupidity and his narcissism and his support of, of tyrannical regimes and his apologizing to Arab slave states for America, for the United States of America, for the love of Mike, you know, that, that he's got us all so angry that we, we hunger for the sound of Trump's voice when he says, ah, it's the Muslims, it's, you know, they hate us, it's, it's terrible, you know. We need a pep talk. We need a pep. That's his answer when, when somebody asks him, what's your policy? Well, we need a pep talk and a wall, a wall and a pep talk, and then another pep talk and then another wall. And that's going to, you know, that's, he, he, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. Cruz, on the other hand, is trying to speak the truth. So when he is challenged on the truth, he answers responsibly. And the press has been doing this to us for, you know, decades. Because, because Cruz is responsible, he is subject to their attacks, to the attacks of the empire of lies. So let me just finish with Andy McCarthy's piece in NRO. Andy is one of the terrific writers on the right. Uh, he is the former U.S. attorney who prosecuted the blind sheik, put the blind sheik in jail after the first World Trade Center attack. And he is now supporting and advising the Cruz campaign. And he's writing about this attack. And he says, this is not a tragedy. It's a war crime. Our enemies are at war with us. 
They continue to execute acts of war, not tragedies against us, and we cannot end the war by withdrawing from it. We can only lose that way. We cannot prevail or even adequately protect ourselves without seeing the enemy plain. Radical Islam. Islamic supremacists determined to impose Sharia on the world, with jihadists as the pointy end of the spear and ideological sympathizers as their support system. We cannot deny reality by rationalizing that if we admit the truth, we will be mis understood at, as being at war with Islam as in all Muslims. What we like to think of as radical Islam is actually a legitimate and rabidly anti-Western interpretation of Islam that is followed by millions of Muslims. It is irrelevant to non-Muslims in the West whether theirs is a correct or incorrect construction of Muslim scripture. The remorseless fact remains that its adherents believe it with a fervor that inspires the kinds of attacks we've seen today and have seen over and over again. Those adherents include Muslims who lack the commitment to carry, carry out attacks themselves, but nevertheless provide moral and other support to those who do. It's a welcome fact that there are other ways of interpreting Islam that do not endorse war and his hostility against the West. Those who offer these interpretations are our allies, and we should be encouraging them rather than turning to enemies such as the Muslim Brotherhood to help us conduct, quote, community outreach. It is our job to protect ourselves and our allies and to crush the jihadist armies and cells that are prosecuting the war against us. That's what Cruz is trying to say. And when we talk about the provincialism of the left, they don't understand that what Cruz said is right. If we police the Muslim neighborhoods, we're protecting the Muslims the Muslims who are our friends and our allies, and there are many of them, we are protecting them from radicalization and from the radicals. Because who do they bully first? Who do they kill first? Their own. They're coming for us second. You know, they're coming for us after they kill their own. But the point is this. Truth is a weapon in war. A people that is denied the truth, is the, that is denied the names of things, can't solve their problems. If you're denied the truth about your problems, you can't solve your problems, whether it's personally or as a nation. Obama has denied us of the truth. This people is so hungry, so hungry to hear plain speaking that they will accept Donald Trump's imitation of it and reject Cruz's attempt to explain it because Cruz sounds like a rational man. The truth is a weapon. And we have been denied that weapon. We will lose this war without the truth. We will lose our nation without the truth. Political correctness is the enemy. It is the enemy. It is what has sapped us. It is what sapped us, and it's what gives strength to fakes like Donald Trump. All right. That's all I have to say. Stuff I like. Holy Week stuff I like. Religious stuff I like. You know, usually I keep away from the classics because I feel if you haven't seen the classics, you probably won't see the classics. But, but. Here is a classic film that is a relig religious film that is how you make a religious film, basically. And the reason I want to bring it up, it's Ben-Hur. William Wyler's Ben-Hur, starring Charlton Heston, Stephen Boyd. It's a classic. The reason I want to bring it up is they're about to remake it. And I think everyone should see the original before the new one comes out. You know, they just had a show on TV called Prophets and Kings. And a lot of Christian filmmakers have been talking about the idea of making a Bible show that looks like Game of Thrones. So it's got sex and violence, all the stuff that's actually in the Bible. And a lot of people are talking about this was ABC's attempt to do this. So I watched the first episode. It's about King Saul and the rise of David. And it's got the prophet Samuel in it. And in it, the prophet Samuel, who in the Bible is the spokesman for God, is this conniving, 
bloodthirsty, crazy man who's just jealous of Saul because he's a king. And I'm watching this and think, who are, they, who are they playing to? Who do they think the audience are? Off in two shows. Two episodes off the air. Just like, just like the one they did about Noah. Just like everything that Hollywood touches. They think they can extract God from the story and trick people to coming. Just like they extracted the truth from the New York Times. Just like they extracted education from universities. They want to extract God from the Bible stories. And they got screwed and they deserved it. So if Ben-Hur comes out, and I don't know what's in Ben-Hur, it may be great, you know, but if Ben-Hur comes out and it's no longer a religious story, I want you to look at Ben-Hur because it is a great film. It's unturn-offable. Once you turn it on, you will watch the entire thing. It's terrific. It is a great, great Easter film. And it's how you make these films. That's it for today. We have one more day, one more day to pull this thing together before you guys go nuts and destroy everything. But we'll be here. We will be here. Be here, too. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Thanks for listening.